Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Is off track with Hinch and Rossi. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Decided to open it right now. I yeah, love no, I, was, I love I saving it. The James isn't even remotely close to well, he's fairly close to home in the grand scheme of things, closer than the Bahamas. And um he's still choosing now at six thirty PM on a Tuesday to eat chips. As I just told you, first of all, these are pita thins. That's and they were ew. a lovely welcome. Dick. No, they're actually really good. They're mm. five cheese pita thins. They're incredibly good. Because um, I just got into my hotel. It's been a busy day and I was hungry. And the lovely people here at Road and Track left me a little goodie bag. Can I tell goods. you what type of chip is not good? And we, we didn't touch on this. I don't even remember when we recorded the last. Um, but I love the crunching sound. So, James, remember when you, um, for the years that you made the 500, um, remember when? <laughs> wow, that seems like an unnecessary shot, but okay. <laughs> I actually had a dream last night that I didn't make the 500, and then now I hope it comes true. And then all we did was bond over that fact. Of all the other things we have to, to I was gonna share say, over, we, that was we what we bonded another, over. Yeah, do we need another thing? <laughs> Anyways, um, and qualifying for the 500 was it Hockenheim? Believe it or not, that, okay. I just that tracks. I didn't get the lap in. Anyways. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so you remember, <laughs> do you remember how, when, um, you used to go from the public driver's meeting to the yeah. parade downtown and they give you the you'd, box you'd lunch the bus, on the bus. There'd be the box lunch, right? I also well, still hate that there's two driver's meetings. There's the real one and then the public one. I just feel tradition, like bro. tradition. Um, the box lunch doesn't exist anymore, oh. which is kind of sad but also i guess makes sense because they always had food for you there at the library when you got there anyways um but it makes the bus ride much more boring because you now literally have nothing to do but they did pass around this like tray of snacks Hmm. and but the only tray of snacks were welch's fruit snacks which seems to be like the go-to like gummy of every race team or James. No, or or gift bags from people. Yeah. Okay. And these listener, I'm holding free, up a bag of Wilch's gummies that right. came in the little gift bag. Yes. <laughs> these gluten-free, carb-free, low sodium Out. Out. chips. Out. 
Nope. And you so can't I have was like, chips with all those what? things missing. Right. Well, it was still a crunchy substance. And we were like, well, we're all hungry and bored. So we might as well crack into them. I think everyone took one bite of said chip, crisp, crunchy thing and spit it immediately back into the bag and mm. left it there. Cause that's terrible. Yeah. Anyways, I just, that reminded me of that. Yeah, and that's all I had to say on the top. You know, you know what chips are good though? I know I've brought in a couple different flavors lately, but I recently got to try, I think it's called like zesty ketchup or tangy ketchup Doritos. Yes. Well, well, my guy, Benedict Polizzi, who's my favorite comedian in Indianapolis, um, just ahead of Joey Milanaro, if he's listening. Um, him and I traded a race I'm a Joey suit. guy. Okay. Oh, my God. Is that why he was wearing that? We traded a race suit for a four-pack of red-hot Micheladas and a pack of Doritos Tangy Ketchup. So, that is, how, yeah, I, how do so I not I'm have so a race upset. suit? <laughs> like, I didn't know that's all it took. I would have gotten that years ago. I have asked you have asked me for a helmet. You've that's asked true. me for things, that's true. I've and never I've asked said for a race suit. Well, no, but I've said, "What are you going to give me?" And you never offer anything. I just apparently all it took was, was a couple. Than that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just kind of assume, that's well, on I, me. I guess that, I should have opened correct. the bargain. Yeah. That is on you. Yeah. That's the negotiations got to start somewhere, Tim. All right. How many diet cokes for a helmet? Well, I can acquire <laughs> I can acquire Diet Cokes fairly easily. I'd never seen red hot Micheladas before. And I liked I like uh, well, I'm gonna marry a Canadian, so I gotta like ketchup chips. So I've learned mm-hmm. to like ketchup lays. Which one? Becky. Um <laughs> and <laughs> when they found that when I found out there was ketchup Doritos, Doritos we know is the superior chip to all chips. You combine that with the ketchup. And anyways, it's not it's not awesome. I still think the original ketchup Lay's is better, but it Wait, was pretty you, good. Have I have I shown you the spicy ketchup from Miss Vicky's yet? Have you oh yeah, no, I've yeah. Ha- I've had that, but those still, are, all dressed Miss Vicky's are fire. Yeah, those are Miss Vicky and the sea salt malt vinegar from like Miss Vicky's yeah. killing the chip game right Miss now. Miss Vicky's fornicates. Yeah, everyone else needs to just step the the program up quite right. aggressively if right. you want to compete. Yeah. Uh, so totally random funny thing that just not, I mean, it's not that funny, but I'm telling you anyway. So I was at the racetrack all day for this road and track event, which was, is still as I'm doing it, a lot of fun. And the racetrack. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's more like a proving ground. It's called NCM. I don't actually know what that stands for. If I'm totally honest. Um, National Corvette museum is what it stands for. James. Oh, is that what it is? So, okay. So yeah, it's right. Oh, that makes sense. So it's right beside the National Corvette museum. (laughs) I mean, Dude, have you been to this track? <laughs> no, but I've been to the Corvette Museum. Okay, Most so the track itself is a wild, wild place to allow inexperienced people in high-performance road cars go around a track. It is a very challenging, like, I, I don't want to use the word dangerous because like, I don't want to, like, on the place because it's great and i to my knowledge they've had no major issues but like there are some fast blind downhill off camber corners and i'm like ah, i don't know if people without a lot of driving experience should be like hustling a car around this track like it's there's a, there's a lot of places to get it wrong a lot of places to get it wrong a lot of fun to drive as a result but like again seems like a more advanced sort of place rather than like a anyway at the racetrack all day 
super hot out. Car gets super hot. Bags are in the car. As I said, I rushed here to head to the hotel to do this with you guys. And I'd been staying at the racetrack all day. My my lips were like wind and sunburned. My like the whole drive here is like an hour and a half drive. And I was just doing the oh no. Oh my lap. But like my chapstick was in my bag in the back and I couldn't reach it. So for an hour and a half, I'm just licking my lips, making it worse. And so I got up here. I was like, I just need to get my laptop out, get everything ready. And I just need to grab my chapstick and really quickly put some on before it. So I get all the stuff up and then I go and I grab my chapstick out of my bag and I pop it and I just, but it was, it was basically liquid. Like I went like this one stroke across, I've been looking at it. And then there was just this, like these, the most insane amount of chapstick material was just you don't sitting like on, on your lips. Mm, not my favorite. Not mm. my favorite. Anyway, since this is a travel podcast, let's talk about Monday after Detroit before we get to Detroit, because I watched the race. I know what happened. I am so, I want to know all about you, Alex, going to the, are we allowed to talk about this? Yeah. Okay. Going to the, where did you go? Was it the Boeing simulator or was it like a, like a Republic Airways simulator? What was it? Yeah, it was fine. I hate you so much. (laughs) I got like, I know Alex liked it because I got like unsolicited. Like I was going to ask him about it because I'm very curious, but I got unsolicited, unprompted messages with videos of him flying this thing. So I knew that you were into it. Okay. So let's hear it. I, um, a couple weeks, yeah, about a month ago, um, a guy by the name of John Dowling who, became a listener of this podcast through God knows how um, and started to realize that I flew airplanes and had a passion for aviation. And James, you also kind of enjoyed airplanes. Um, He reached out. He didn't know I flew. He's been a big IndyCar fan for a while, but he didn't know I flew because I don't really post about it. He only knew that Roma flew because, you know, right. And so he found out that uh, we loved airplanes through this podcast and so he emailed and he works for Kalita Air. For those that don't know what Kalita Air is, um, or really what Kalita is in general. So Kalita Air started um, from the founder who I'm struggling to remember his first name, but his last name was Kalita in the 60s, would in his Cessna, Mr. Kalita uh, would ferry auto parts from the Detroit area to various places and he kind of did this as a side gig made some money started a drag racing team and is Kalita Motorsports is a very successful NHRA NHRA top fuel drag team JR Todd drove for them big deal well Kalita Air now is over like 800 pilots and hundreds of airplanes global like they are in terms of a privately held transport company like at the pinnacle so they are they are elite they're not necessarily based in the Detroit area, but one of their training facilities and headquarters and some of their fleet is there. And so he basically reached out and said, we'd love to get you on our 777, our Boeing 777 SIM with myself and a SIM instructor slash ex-Boeing 777 pilot whose name was Dave Westridge. And we just want you to come fly it and hang out and enjoy it. It's so amazing. Right. So it was an immediate yes from me. So after Detroit, um, I went over to the uh, 
uh, Ypsilanti Airport, which was about 25 minutes west of the city. 6 a.m. call time because pilot shortage, we've talked about it. Sim time is a big deal. The only way that you're getting type rated in a 777 is in a sim. You're not, they don't spend time with you flying around the city. So this, my time slot was 6 to 10 a.m. And it was one of the coolest experiences of my life, period. Because I, I, I don't even know where to begin. The, the simulator itself was honestly nothing too different from what anyone in motorsports would have seen before. Kind of a hexapod type system, three projectors. That sort of thing was very normal and not that interesting. Um, and when I kind of, when he asked, when the guys asked like, oh, how does this compare to a race sim? I was like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's very good, but the graphics aren't that good. And they're like, well, looking outside really isn't a priority yeah. <laughs> of, of these things. I was like, that's a, that's a very good point. Right. We need to um, see within a millimeter of where we're going in a race car. Planes have right. a little more. Burp. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like less, less on the, on the, uh, less importance the on the priority list. Yeah. Um, but the cockpit is an exact, like to the point where the lumbar adjustment in the seat is, is identical. It's an identical replica of everything. And so, great. Well, yeah, I've got so, video I mean, evidence. Was, we'll get to that. Yeah, but I feel like that was the most important part. But <laughs> what I what I learned was a couple things. One, the pilots that fly those things are awesome. But two, the machines are some of the most intelligent and sophisticated pieces of software that I've ever seen in my life. Because, yes, we all know that airplanes are fairly automated and, and they're idiot-proof for the most part in the sense of passenger safety. And ultimately, this sim was a not a freight sim, so it had all of the similar kind of features that a cabin class 777 would have in terms of lighting and oxygen requirements in the cabin that cargo wouldn't necessarily have and all this stuff. But in terms of the procedures and the steps that you take, it is all integrated in almost an artificial intelligence way from the start to the end of the phase of flight that you're in. So for example, let's say you're flying along and you want to descent, you're going to start your descent from your cruise altitude. And you put in the new altitude that ATC assigns you. You put in the new speed that ATC asks of you. Well, as you're doing that, based on the atmospheric conditions, the way the aircraft, the current speed that you're going with the tailwind that you have, and the true airspeed of the airplane, the, perform the current performance output of the engines, it'll tell you yes or no on whether that speed is an option within a knot, right? And it'll either be like, yeah, that's fine. Or you'll have to go back to ATC. And if they say for you to descend at 250 knots, it'll say no, or descending at 258, screw you type thing. And so every single condition is constantly being calculated. So not only is that interesting, but if you go to checklists are a big thing in aviation, digital yes. checklists have made their way into general aviation aircraft. And, and that's cool. 
because you're not looking at a sheet. But these checklists are integrated into the phase of flight. So if you do something that's number three on a checklist before doing number two, it won't let you do it. And it'll basically highlight the switch that you missed without you even opening the checklist. So it, wow. it's fully aware of everything that you should be doing. And ultimately, it can do it itself. But pilots want to have, you know, some... Pushing buttons fun is fun. Slash purpose, right? And so um, it just... it it ultimately doesn't allow you to make a mistake, um, which is very comforting as a passenger, as we all are on these airplanes. Um, they are amazing pieces of equipment. They're surprisingly easy to fly from a stability standpoint. And that's all the things that, that you would think should make sense. People, hundreds of thousands of people every single day are trusting these pieces of equipment with their lives. Yes. And, they are incredibly safe. And it's yes. just really cool to be able to experience that. Like we drove, we flew the thing with one engine. You wouldn't even notice. Like as a passenger, <laughs> I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it's happened 30% to you of the flights know. I've been on, the engine's <laughs> gone out and you wouldn't even know. Like it's All just right. unbelievable how good they are. So based on this experience, you're on a plane. As yes, a passenger, he could do it. And they he come on the PA 100%. and they say, does anybody know how to fly a plane? You, you think you could do it? Not even a doubt in my mind. Wow. That's awesome. That's like, now I want to get my pilot's license just for that ability. Just to be able to like bring no. it down. If so, pre, so pre the sim, no. They, nobody has because ever come on a PA and been like, does anybody here understand the three-act structure? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like once, you, once you get into it and, you know, you walk in the cockpit and there's all these buttons and switches and yeah, lights yeah. and all this stuff that you're like, oh my God. But then once you actually realize the flow and the process of everything. It's like, and I bet everything's like laid out in like a super intelligent way in terms of dude, even the tactile, even the tactile surfaces are different. So that you don't accidentally adjust a speed versus a heading or an altitude. Right. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. It's it's pretty brilliant. So Alex sent me this video, Tim of him in like a, no, like 30,000 foot plane just decides to nosedive to the earth. And so like <laughs> the, the, the thing starts like, like the, the simulation kicks in and you're nose down aiming for the ground, full throttle sort of thing. And yeah. he's got to recover it. And you started at 30,000 feet and you had recovered it by like 23,000 feet yeah. or something. Yeah. So like it which, took him almost, it was incredible. Is- Undoubtedly very impressive, but can you imagine being a passenger on that plane? Like, oh, no, yeah. You'd never fly again. <laughs> no, but like, again, these things, like, they are so overbuilt. Yeah. And, well, yeah, and I think you want them to be. Oh, uh, 100%. 100%. Um, so cool. And then the coolest, the coolest feature of all was, so like the thing will obviously auto land. There's quite a few GA aircraft these days that will also do that. So that's that's cool, but also not that cool. What's incredibly cool is when you land at a 40 knot crosswind, right? You've obviously got the yaw angle in the thing and you're flying it kind of at an angle to the center line. And then as you kind of, you know, are straightening it up over the numbers and going into the flare and touching down on every airplane that I've ever flown, once you hit the ground, you're not done flying. 
like you got to manage the thing and keep her straight with the ailerons and the brakes and all this stuff and bring it to a stop. The auto brakes on this bitch, <laughs> unbelievable. Really? Like from 150 knots, this thing tracks the center line better than you could walk it. With, no it doesn't way. matter the crosswind. And it's all, I was like, is there a camera? And they're like, nope, it's all like radio. It's not, it's not GPS. No. It's radio frequencies. It's keeping that thing on the center line by like differential braking. It's unbelievable. What? It's so unbelievable. my takeaway from this is we could pretty safely return to the Mad Men era of buying the pilot a drink before the flight. Mm-hmm. It just, yeah. it sounds like they'd be fine. Well, do, like, <laughs> what, like you, you land, you go to reverse thrust, but you, yeah. your foot has never touched the brake. Like you didn't even touch the brakes. Like you don't, Are you, serious? you don't do anything. If you auto land it, it will literally land and stop and start taxiing for you. <laughs> like it doesn't, <laughs> you know, so yeah. the pilots aren't hitting the brakes. They're not working the pedals to keep it straight. It's you auto throttle, dude. So you auto throttle, so they, you don't even yeah, throttle so back. You don't even throttle up. You get that bitch pointed on the right runway and you go to 60% thrust, right? And make sure the engines, you, you look at all the parameters and make sure the engines are in the green, essentially. Same thing that we do on our plane. Airspeed's alive, all that sort of thing. And then you push a button and it just advances it. And all you do is wait for the rotation speed, which it'll yell at you. It just tells you rotate and you pull back. And it will then manage the thrust based on the weight, the engine performance, the heat that it's generating, the thrust it needs, the rate of climb, noise, the noise ordinance. It knows the noise ordinances of the airport you're taking off. So it'll reduce <laughs> its own noise to the level that it needs to. Like it's, it, I could go on. It is unbelievable. Also, I don't care about the people who live by the airport. I want my plane at full f- throttle when I'm taking off. So, I'm sorry. I don't want to know that it's backing off to make sure that you know, Betty Richardson over in, uh, you know, on, on Spruce Lane doesn't get woken up next to an airport. And some Correct. So this is the last, this the is airport. the last thing that I'll say on it, which is just crazy. So the last takeoff I did, I was like, give me all the boost. Like, I don't want to do any of these rated like takeoffs. Yeah. Like I want a hundred percent thrust all the way up to like 10,000 feet. Full beans. So he was like, yeah, cool. Let's do it with max weight too. So keep in mind these things, each engine generates a hundred thousand pounds of thrust. Okay, the engine diameter is the same size as a Boeing seven thirty seven fuselage. What? Yes, the diameter of a triple seven engine is the same as the fuselage on a Southwest airplane. That is wild. Right. I did not realize they were quite that big. Right. So, like, it's you feel in the sim like when you go to a hundred percent thrust, like it, the thing actually moves. It's very impressive. And then you rotate that thing up and keep it at full throttle, 8,000 feet a minute at like, I don't even know what the max gross weight is, 400,000 pounds, 700,000 pounds, something stupid. Like it's, it's pretty cool. Anyways, so when so that was my Monday. And who do we need to thank again for this? What? When, two questions. When do James and I get to do it? And uh, do you have anybody you need to thank for this experience one more time? Well, James can do it whenever he wants. Um, but yeah, this was a... Okay. a this is, uh, came through uh, John Dowling at Clita Air. So him and Dave Westridge uh, were the two dudes that opened the doors for me. So very, very yeah, well, cool. Yes. Can't help but I notice you left me off on the can do it whenever he wants. Yeah, I, no, James I, can do it whenever he wants. 
Right. And I'm excited to try it. And I'm, I've, cause I, I saw this episode of Mythbusters, right. And it was the, if a pilot KOs and a random person with no flight experience jumps in the cockpit, could the, could the ground control talk you down? And so I obviously with no flight experience would love to try it to see if I could actually like take off and land this thing with somebody just like over a radio telling me what to do. hundred percent. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. <laughs> Uh, I want to land a plane so bad. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. In a fast-paced world? Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. So, piloting aside, there was uh, the reason you were in Detroit in the first place was the Chevrolet Grand Prix of Detroit presented by Lear. Big NBC reporter guy. Big, Big NBC guy. Um, so, I don't even know where to start on this. We didn't, re- we didn't really cover it last week just because we were obviously recapping 500 and never really got into it. So, we didn't really pre it at all. Um, and because we've already talked about flying for 25 minutes... We'll skip maybe some of the more uh, more innocuous parts of what we thought going into it and what it was like on the sim before you got there. And let's just talk about it, man. Friday, first practice, new track, moved off Belle Isle. Track walk revealed some interesting things and probably a few concerns. But you get out on Friday, and what do you think? Um, I I think I was in the minority. Like people thought, so I posted on Instagram on Friday night, like after practice one. And I yeah. forget exactly what I said, but it was essentially like good first day. Message. Yeah. yeah, huge shout out to Penske Corp and all those at the Detroit GP, whatever, 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 who made this I happen. I think everybody thought you were joking. I know because I actually, <laughs> I really enjoyed driving the track. There were certainly like, except there were, sorry, there were two things that really bugged me. One was the pit exit and the way that 
the entry breaking for turn one and pit exit kind of merged together. I didn't, I didn't like that. And there was a bump in turn nine that was just absurd. Like it was just so violent and it was such a slow entry corner. mid corner, like mid corner. And then there was another one on the exit and it just sucked. But like all of the bumps down the straight and the bumps in the breaking of turn three, First of all, we're way less aggressive than Nashville. So, like, really, yes, like less aggressive than Nashville. Turn what? Because, like, you like, can't compare I'm it sorry, to like going bridges. over the bridge. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, I not, am. we're not breaking there, though, right? I think that was the issue. No, but like James, you know the kink before turn four at Nashville. It is. F- yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. Okay. Now, that's like well, a almost flat out corner, though. No, uh, it is a flat out corner. And yeah. these 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 bumps that we had in Detroit were on a straight line when you're just firing away. So it's like, okay, it's the the fact that people were talking so aggressively as this as if this was some unprecedented thing. Like the bumps in the breaking zone at turn eight or at Toronto are dumb. Like there's quite a few tracks. Turn one at Toronto before they repaved it, dumb. Like there's quite a few areas that we've had on previous tracks, the back straight at Belle Isle before they redid it. Dumb. Like, I I feel like people for some reason, I don't know if it was because there was an affinity with Belle Isle because Belle Isle was awesome. We can all admit that as a driver driving on that track was badass. If there was some affinity with that, that made them hate initially, at least the downtown Detroit layout more. I don't know what it was. If because the sim was so aggressive in terms of the bumps, people just came in with preconceived notions. I'm but sure like, that's part of it. But quite frankly, like, yeah, the bumps in the breaking zone of turn three were annoying. They were, but it was nothing. It wasn't anything new to what we've experienced at other street courses in IndyCar before. Right. So I enjoyed the challenge of it. I thought the grip level was much higher than expected, mostly because it's concrete. We know at Belle Isle concrete, you know, takes rubber, easily and, and is, is a much more friendly surface than asphalt. Um, I thought that the dual pit lane was like kind of cool and honestly didn't cause any issues whatsoever. Um, so yeah, aside from the pit out and the turn nine bump in practice one, I was totally cool with it. Fast forward to practice two and my opinion of it dropped slightly because there was, it was a 45 minute session versus uh, an hour and 15 90. minute session. It was 90 or, actually. 90 minute session. Yeah. Leading into qualifying. So a lot, my, a lot more priority on guys getting laps and trying to get competitive laps to get their car set up for qualifying. And there was a couple red flags and all this sort of thing, yellow flags. And so the last 10 minutes, basically every single car was on track. And every single car on track was trying to do a representative Q-SIM. And it was impossible. Like in the last 10 minutes, I did 10 laps, like seven seconds off the pace. Because you would start your lap at the timeline, at the alternate timeline, which in IndyCar uh, was before turn eight. And you'd get all the way through turn four and there would just be a traffic jam. That being said, that's not a problem of the track. St. Pete is too small. Toronto is too small. Long Beach is borderline too small. This is not the first time that people can't get a lap because the track is too small with 27 cars. Yeah. So 
the bigger issues we need fewer cars <laughs> or longer well, tracks like i, I, think, I don't know i think mean. well i think that part of i in my opinion and i and i don't remember if we talked about this in the weekend or not but I think that the alt start finish line should have been moved after turn eight, right before pit in, just like Toronto. Know, and that way, that really changes I, anything. I just think it, it. I think that the the way the layout was like coming out of turn five, you pretty much wanted it to begin an honest, honest run with the alternate start finish line being in the middle of the straightaway between seven and eight. The way six and seven was to get an honest run onto the straight, you need to be on the gas out of five. And you need to be carrying proper speed through six, seven, That's right? Fair. Yeah. Whereas, like in eight, you can just you can be on the you can be crawling on the straightaway, get your gap, and then just gas it out of eight, and it's a little bit easier. And you see everybody in the line; you're not wondering who's yeah. around the blind corner in five. Yeah. So there's, but it's not going to stop the fact that it's a 1.6 mile track with 27 cars on it. So yes, you're you're not wrong about that. Um, so then, so then, fast forward to the race. And before we get into the details of the race, like I thought it raced really well. Like I, I would argue that Nashville for the past two years has been a way bigger show than I think undoubtedly. And I think the main reason why we had so many yellows throughout the weekend was not a result of the track layout or really people crashing. It's because the runoffs were way too narrow. Right. And so it's like, hard to turn for, around. So for people that don't know, like indie cars don't have onboard starters. With hot tires, they're very hard to like kick spin around. And, and a if tall you can't first gear. Kick, and a tall first gear. And if you can't kick spin it around, reverse is no easier. Like it is all it is all very, very challenging. So if if the I believe that if the turn three runoff, the turn one runoff, and the turn eight runoff were like five feet wider, you would have reduced the yellows throughout the weekend by fifty percent. At least yeah, because I most have, of the yells yeah. were people just stalling in the runoffs. It wasn't people yeah. crashing. Yeah. We had very few crashes actually until the race, really. Right, right. We had, you know, um in qualifying we had a couple guys take the left run off in, in seven or whatever. But um practice was fairly uh fairly benign in that sense. Um yeah, honestly, I think some of the some of the the feelings going into it were also just when you look at the layout on paper it looks very uninspiring compared to Belle Isle, which for a street circuit was so unique, like turn one and two, super unique, uh, turn 10, 11, turn 12, 13. Those were really unique corners for a street circuit and a lot of fun. And so when you look at one hairpin and then eight 90 degree corners, it all of a sudden looks like a kind of boring layout, but I agree with you. I think it raced really well. Uh, talking to a lot of the drivers, I think they said once you get into the rhythm and get used to the bumps, it was actually had a nice rhythm to it. And it, yeah, I mean, it put on a much better show than the Nashville has the last couple of years. Some of that's on the drivers. Like I'm not going to blame all of Nashville's issues on the track. Um, certainly the group has to be better. And you saw in the second half of Detroit, like the first half was super smooth. And then we went to like six yellows in the last half of the race. Like we just it didn't kind of felt like Indy again. Yeah, almost. But, but again, I would, I think two of three those of those were, yellows were runoffs. Yeah, at least two. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah. You know, I think we just need onboard starters, man. That would kind of be awesome. Like, well, we can't do it now, but with the new hybrids next year, we will. There you go. Um, I, I will admit, I went in and James, I think 
you you and I talked about this a bit before. I was expecting it to just be yellow after yellow after yellow. Yeah. And got it. When we got through the pro. start, like ultimately, like Callum hitting Kyle, like that probably would have happened anywhere because Callum right. just screwed it up. But like I was expecting turn one to take out eight cars. So when we got That's through exactly, there, that was the number really that no I had. One. Yeah, it was amazing. But I said I said that so in our production meeting, I was like, oh, this is going to be just a show, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I've got this weird feeling, man, that because, again, it was a lot of runoffs in practice. And guys can get cars turn around sometimes on their own. And so I just said, I bet we have three to four. And I was looking real smart for a while there. I was looking real good until the last couple, you know, last sort of 20 laps or whatever. Uh, but, no, the racing was good. Turn three was a cool corner for guys making moves high low inside outside whatever um you were a massive beneficiary of a bit of a situation down in turn three late in the race and then you got used up a little bit a little bit after that and it cost you a couple spots how 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 do you just rate your day your as a race how was your race yeah i mean yeah it was good um you know we still suck in qualifying like it's there's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like thirteenth, oh, thirteenth yeah. is. I mean, I hit the wall on my quickest lap, but I'm gonna be honest with you, I would have transferred and qualified eleventh. Eleventh, yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, we're we're really bad on Saturdays and very good on Sundays. Um. So it was a it was kind of a recovery day. Um. We had very little deg compared to others. Um, you know, me, Pato, Felix all started on the primary tire because we knew that without a doubt we could make the Reds last. That was never kind of a concern for us. Um, and that was really <clears throat> kind of the main reason that we had such a good day is because we were able to make up so much time and track position on the first stint when guys had to suffer on the Reds, greens, sorry. And uh, when we put the greens on, we didn't have the fall off that that others did. Um, so that was that was it. And then, yeah, as you said, so we were running fifth. Um, for most, most of the race, the pretty much the whole second half of the race. And then, um, Scott, Will and Felix kind of all got into each other on a restart and I inherited those three positions, um, and was looking like that was going to be easy to maintain. And then there was was another restart. There was another restart, and kind of got away from me a little bit, um, and there was a lot of there was a lot of noise and a lot of drama that was created slash trying to be created um, post Felix and I's run in in turn two or turn three rather. And I don't really understand it. Like I f- truly, from my side, I don't have an issue with what he did at all. Right. Um, you know, I gave him I gave him a small door. He took every inch plus maybe an inch or two of it and drove like drove hard. Like I, and, and I explained this to a friend of mine after the race, um, it was like, Oh, are you pissed? I'm like, no dude. Like that's that I race people like that. So you can't, you can't, you can't get I, pissed off at people yeah. if they do that to you, if you're doing that to them all the time. So like in the moment, Oh, like I was pissed that I hit the wall and I was pissed. I lost the moment or the spot to Dixon. But like also in the moment, it was like, well, I should have been fifth anyways. Right. So <laughs> I, I didn't have any issue with it. Um, and Felix and I talked about it. 
internally as a lot of memes <laughs> have been made and it's fine like there's no there's no problem so no, i dude, don't know i no i get it and i knew that was going to be your reaction because i said i'm like that's exactly what alex would have done in the same situation 100%. Like so but it was only because of how you answered you could have just said, yeah, it was hard racing. I would have done the same thing. But you're like, oh, we're, gonna, we're talking about it internally. You made it sound like you were pissed at him and yeah. then you wanted to take a go at him. So like, I don't don't blame don't blame my people <laughs> too much on that one because you sort of cheated up by not just being like, yeah, man, like, no, we, we but like, break and then you all, gotta, you know. all that I've learned in my years, right, you're, is that the more you say growing number of years, right copy the more you say the more you get in trouble so i was trying to say the least amount as possible like i was trying to like the first time he asked me i didn't even answer the question i just talked about how awesome detroit was and like how great of an event it was and how happy i was to be here and then he followed it up like what am i i was trying to answer it with as little words as possible and that's the first thing that came to mind if i had said no comment that wouldn't have been good either so it's like there was no problem i wasn't yelling i was smiling like, why then does people think that they need to make some issue? Like, you you left you left some wiggle room for interpretation. Oh. <laughs> Anything that I say, people somehow spin it is what I've learned. Oh no! Oh, Alex, you gotta stop saying stuff, man. No, don't. That's why people love you. So, anyways, so yes, I. It was a good day for us. It was a good day for the team. Obviously, Pato had his issue, but still a good day. And yeah, I feel, I feel like if we could, um, you know, just start in top six, top four, like we could, we could challenge below who is the benchmark of the field right now. It's pretty, Dude, pretty he's, unbelievable. he's on a roll. He's on a roll. Like before I, I assume you haven't watched the race back before all those yellows started falling. Like he was building up another one of those below esque Rossi esque leads. Like he did it at, Indy GP and like he did a good like it was going to be a, another big winning margin and it's like yeah, people winning by when Max wins a race by 20 seconds you're like yeah okay I get it look at the massive advantage he has in cars when someone in IndyCar does it it's like how wait how wait what how how wait what how I enjoy we- it a lot more when it's Alex doing it at Long Beach than when it's someone else <laughs> understood <laughs> well, understood no, but like Yeah, I I knew that was the case. I didn't even watch it. I knew that was the case because every single restart by turn four, he was already gone. gone. And I was like looking at Will, Scott, and Felix. And I was like, where? So Will's the leader? Yeah. yeah. No, no. Is he, did he have a problem somewhere that I meant? Yeah, yeah. no, he's, yeah, he's, he's on a roll. Um, well, what is that? Is that something in how Ganassi's set up the car? So is here's, just here's the he thing. Does those tracks? No, so... Anytime there is a race with high tire deck, Alex Pillow rises to the occasion. He is incredibly great point. Smooth and precise and very surgeon. Very easy on tires. When there's a race without tire deck, there's guys that are faster, quite frankly. Yeah. Um and he's good, but he's beatable. On a race where there's high tire deck, he's exceptional and that's really what it was it's a good point because also it also was interesting i didn't realize that detroit was only his third pole his second pole being indianapolis so in three years of indycar he only had one pole 
until this year, which I was kind of surprised. I didn't realize that stat. Yeah, I mean, but it, dude, he is literally a miniature Scott Dixon. Yeah, yeah. Scott has what, like a quarter of as many polls as he does wins. Yeah. Um, like, and most of his polls in the past five years have come in Indianapolis. That's a yeah. You're right. A lot of them have. But it's funny because it almost it almost makes you think that he doesn't use the tire hard enough in qualifying his driving style. But then it rewards him over a stint where there's dag. It's like he can't like something about how he drives it just doesn't get that peak peak out of it or something. I don't know. But uh, anyway, um, before we go, I want to just because we talked about Max and you and you and I had a little brief Instagram exchange about this. So there was an F1 race this weekend. Max obviously won. There's really nothing else interesting to talk about except this moment that went unnoticed on the broadcast, but popped up on Instagram later. And Alex sent me this clip, but I I had seen it, but I was just floored by it. So Max is leading the race by like 18 seconds. Okay. There's five laps, six laps left in the race. He gets on the radio and he says, Hey, what's fastest lap? Cause you get a point if you get fastest lap and you finish in the top 10. And his engineer comes on the radio and goes, Hey Max. Um, so, Fastest lap right now is a 16.6, but it was set by Checo, your teammate in the same car, who had just pit for fresh softs, and he had DRS. So let's not go chasing it, because you've also had three track limits warnings, which means the next track limit violation you have is a penalty. Not that the penalty would have mattered because he was 18 seconds ahead of Hamilton at the time, and it's a five-second added on to your race, but still, you don't want a penalty on your record, right? So the engineer's like, Checo did it in the same car on new softs with DRS and you can't afford to go over the lines. Let's not, let's not chase it. Let's just bring it home. And he was like, what was my best time so far? And they're like a 17, three, but again, you don't need to do this. Let's not worry about it. Blah, 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 blah. Max Dooley on the next lap. So just let's get those numbers again. 16, six was Checo. 17, three was max significant gap, right? Next lap. He pumps out a 16, three. He goes, Three tenths quicker than Checo, a second faster than he had up to that point in the race, keeping it between the lines with a 17, 18 second gap with just because he can't. His ability to just reach into his pocket and pull out lap time when he wants to do it is phenomenal. It's incredible. Yeah, must be nice. <laughs> Like, no, no, but it's, it just shows that like people, people often are talking about, oh, you know, Perez is closer this year. He's not, he's not. Yeah. Like Perez is very good on street courses. Like we'll give him full credit. Like he, he is strong on street courses, but this is now two weeks in a row. Dumb mistake in qualifying Mm -hmm. because he's feeling the pressure, right. Mm -hmm. Of how, of how strong Max is and no one can touch him. Absolutely no one can touch him. Did you see the other thing that came out where in FP2, uh, his engineer was on the radio with him and he heard a phone ringing in the background and he knew it was Helmet's phone by the ringtone. So he came <laughs> on the radio and was like, who's calling Helmet? Like, his, it's just... His, it's, his, his reserve mental capacity? No, I don't even think... No, it's not that. It is that he is so good. And the car is so much better than everyone else that he is just pounding around, going P1, mind you, at 90% of his like stress. Yeah. It like he's That's trying 
He's trying. The he has 10% mental of the capacity yeah. has because he doesn't have. But it's to not even mental capacity. Living. It's physical capacity. Did you see him after the it's race? Everything. His yeah. like his hair was perfect. He wasn't even sweating. <laughs> just like just pounding around for a hundred or no an hour and fifty minutes in Barcelona and winning an F one race by eighteen seconds with no problem. Yeah, it's uh, it's super impressive. Um, well, we have uh, a weekend off coming up. Yep, that's true. Uh, what do you are you you have any plans, Alex? Are you are you relaxing? Are you going somewhere? What are you doing? I'm flying to Road America tomorrow to test. Mm. Mm. Well, that's okay. That's a you're doing a Thursday test, right? Yes. No so rest the for the weary E5 finishers. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is how that song goes. <clears throat> what about what about the actual weekend? Are you doing things? Um, TBD. I have. I'm just looking at my calendar. Next week, I have to go to New York for a Tag Heuer event, and then straight into Road America. I would love to get my boat wet this weekend. Oh so, yeah, good call. We'll say see. it like that; it sounds weird. Why? <laughs> no, but I didn't like it, dude. Make I it, I don't want to get my boat moist. <laughs> yeah, that's just like a misting. You can't really use a boat in yeah. a mist. Yeah. You need full yeah. wet. Are you around Sunday, Jimbo? I'm around Sunday. I get back Saturday night. Interesting. So if you make it Sunday, if the weather's nice, let me know. And you like wet things. What's that? Things that are wet. You like things yes. that are wet. Yeah. I do. I, when in water, I prefer them to be wet. Yeah. <clears throat> Tim. Off track. Uh, kidding. Tim, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, taking Hazel. We're going to go do some more astronomy stuff. And uh, yeah, hanging out. Nice. Love nice. it when you talk and turn away from the mic. Hazel's right there. She's on the seventh <laughs> Harry Potter book, and a lot of characters are dying. So we're oh. we're okay. going through it. We're going through well, it right now. I'm gonna hop on a plane tomorrow. Go visit my darling wife on set. She's filming a movie up in Ottawa. So I was I just go. talking to your wife. Shake hands with some dude that she's probably making out with, but whatever. Tell her I said sup. Actually, no, because you open the show. You open the show by saying you're marrying her. So this is news to me. Oh, it's okay. I'm I'm texting her right now. I'll I'll say that you said sup. All right. You can you? I mean, Alex never mind. I don't. Says. Okay. Sup. That's all right. Well, guys, this has been awesome for way. me. I have to now go back to work. So carry on <laughs> with your whatever it is you're doing, flirting with my wife, and uh, and we'll see you sup. next week. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Off Track is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. We're at Ask Off Track on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, I'm at Hinchtown. He's Alexander Rossi. And if you want to follow Fim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. Off Track is produced by Tim Durham, and by that we mean Finn. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.